0: he needs me oh yes he does need me in spite of what you see I'm sure that
1: Welcome to Broadway Radios, this week on Broadway for Sunday, January 15th, 2023. My name is James Marino, and in the broadcast today, we have Peter Felicia and Michael Portantier. Peter is a playwright, journalist, and historian with a number of books. His new book, The Book of Broadway Musical Debates, Disputes, and Disagreements, is now available and can be purchased wherever finer books are sold. Peter has columns at Masterworks Broadway, Broadway Select, and many other places. Hello, Peter. Hi. Hello. Also with us is Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of CastAlbumReviews.com. He is also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Hello. You know, uh, I, I was reading in Facebook uh, a, a couple of weeks ago that uh, this guy said, you know, when you meet new people or, or actually when you meet anybody and you see old friends and things like that, don't, don't ask them, how, how are you? You, you know, because it always responds, um, it, you, you always get that response. Oh, I'm good. I'm fine. Things like that. You should yeah, ask people, yeah. how are you sleeping? You know, <laughs> how, how, how are you sleeping? Because then, then you get the real answer. So when
2: that's you, a good one.
1: When you're talking to long, a long known dear friends, you say to them, how are you sleeping? And maybe they'll, they'll give you more information just than the standard, uh, standard. I'm doing good. So, so Michael, how are you sleeping?
2: Well, uh, <laughs> generally very well. But I, as I mentioned before, I, I recently had a, the actor's nightmare, uh, oh. which I don't often do because I'm not an actor, but, uh, uh yeah and uh for those who for those who don't know uh the actor's nightmare is is a real phenomenon in which um people have nightmares that they are usually it's that they are going on in a show that they have never rehearsed for uh you know and of course it makes no sense but it's a dream so uh that's uh that's what happened to me and you know there are little variations on it sometimes you you have rehearsed, but you've only had one rehearsal or whatever. Mm. The point is you're going on unprepared and, the, and it's supposed to be, I, I guess, an expression of anxiety uh, in your life, or maybe that you feel that you're inadequate in some way, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's one interpretation of it. So anyway, I recently had um, a variation on the actor's nightmare. And in my uh, version, I was suddenly thrust on stage in the role of Guinevere and Camelot. Uh. <laughs> and, you know, which is bad enough, but um, I remember the this detail. I'm glad I wrote this down after I woke up. Uh, the show started, and I thought at first – well, at least I can get through the songs because I know them from yeah. the cast album, you know. Mm-hmm. But the problem was I started to sing, and I started messing up the lyrics because I was also drunk. Oh! Uh, well, so I was drunk and and uh, thrust into a show that I had never <laughs> that I had never rehearsed. So that was my actor's nightmare. And I was glad when it when I woke up that it was not real.
3: <laughs> well, well Michael, to a d- to a degree, Michael. Um, it was a nightmare too, because you don't even like Camelot. <laughs> just, although I do like the score. I do. Like oh the yeah. Score. Uh, sure. Uh, it's yeah. a show you don't like. I right. wonder, I wonder how you feel about the new one.
2: Uh, well, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll get to that in, in our discussion. It was mm-hmm. apparently being completely rewritten. Really? Uh, completely. By Aaron Sorkin. Well, I mean, uh-huh. you know, extensively. Uh, yeah. Fine. You know, mm-hmm. just if we can look at to kill a mockingbird as as a template uh of what he did to that uh, <laughs> then then i think that yes that we can expect um you know that maybe the general situations to be yeah. the same but but the di- the dialogue to be almost completely or completely new.
3: Well, it will be interesting oh, Mike, to see because well, – go ahead, James. I'm sorry.
1: I, I was just going to say, Michael, didn't you see the uh, the uh, the press release at Lincoln Center uh, this week? It, it's been renamed uh, Camelot, a comedy in three acts. <laughs> exclamation point.
3: <laughs> I wonder if they'll have an intermission between acts one and two. Anyway, um, the, the thing is that um, – we will have a heated discussion, I imagine, then uh, come the spring, because, of course, I think Aaron Sorkin's terrific, and I thought his take on To Kill a Mockingbird was wonderful. So, uh, who knows? Maybe it'll be a reverse. Maybe I'll be saying, oh, this came a stinks, and you'll say, oh, finally, finally, it works. Who knows? It's possible. It is.
1: You know, Michael and Peter, I don't expect you to know this, but the actor's nightmare – Happens in all walks of life. I mean, you have doctors that have the doctor's nightmare, and you have sure athletes, yeah. athletes that have the athletes' nightmare. I don't know if you know the uh, the Tom Cruise movie Risky Business, but he has the he has the students' nightmare where he goes into his SAT. Uh, late and unprepared and uh, and and that 's the basis of risky business uh, uh his under underlying character's stress that he 's having get getting into college mm. I, I often wonder if risky business would have made a good uh adaptation to the stage either a a player or a musical.
3: Uh-huh. Uh I I imagine I could relate very much to this um because I don't think I was ever prepared for any SAT that I ever took so yeah. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm I you know, side.
1: writers have this as well, Peter. Don't you you know, you don't have you don't have uh uh nightmares that your your first draft is due and it's not you have a blank page.
3: Gee, I can't say that I have. Um nothing comes to mind immediately. Um I I can't say that Mm, no, no, no. Well, I mean, um, you're you're something very prepared all the time. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but um, I um, uh, I'll have to work on that. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> tonight will be the night. You know that we set the we set the table for that uh, happening as a result of what we just talked about. Maybe it'll happen. Who knows?
1: <laughs> so, Peter, I understand that uh, your gym memberships are all up to date here, and uh, you started off <laughs> yes, the new of year by going to the gym at Judson. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> i always
3: go to the gym at judson i go to no other gym as anybody who's ever met me knows for sure but uh, yeah um yeah i i went to judson because uh there's a show there called asi asi wins uh w-i-n-d apostrophe s inner circle and uh he's a magician well yeah I mean, he is but i mean it, 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 there are no rabbits that are pulled out of hats and no women who are sawed in half or anything like that. It's not that type of <laughs> magician. He's a magician with cards. He does card tricks. You know, card tricks um, is is really um, not the way to put it. There should be a, a better term for it because tricks. You know, you may recall in Blythe Spirit, um, the wife talks about her husband uh, wanting to learn from the medium the tricks of the trade, and um, Madame Marcardi gets terribly uh, insulted by that. And so uh, he might be insulted to hear me say card tricks because they really are more than tricks they're really quite extraordinary um quite extraordinary indeed uh, he's an Israeli-born guy, and um, he really causes with, with a charming accent. Handsome guy, um, yeah, charming accent, and um, <laughs> what he does do is um, demand a lot of appreciation from the audience because he knows he's terrific. And yes, there are so many "oh my gods" that come from the audience. Um, you, you really think that you were outside the doors of a, a brothel? Um, so many "oh my gods" are coming out of uh, people's mouths, but. Um, but anyway, every every <laughs> one time he did a trick, and we all applauded dutifully, and um, he uh, said, "Come on," you know, meaning that's not enough <laughs> applause. So. Um, <laughs> then what he started doing was after he finished the tricks, he would slam his hand on the table as if it's a cue for us to all uh, applaud. So, so be prepared uh, to give him a lot of love, um, which he uh, <laughs> seems to need. Um, one of the problems for me may not bother anybody else, but um, I, I don't much like sitting on chairs that don't have arms and um, and they're not seats, they're chairs. Um, and the, the whole, <laughs> the stadium seating, but it looks kind of rickety. And I, um, uh, uh, I uh, I was a little uh, fearful uh, walking in that I might tip over. So, but again, uh, my sense of balance may not be um, um, representative of anybody else's. But, but really, uh, the, the play is the thing, of course. And um, you're given a card before the show starts, and you put your first initial in the lower left-hand corner, and then you put your same initial in the upper right-hand corner, and your full name in between so um uh, he does a lot of tricks with those cards um he um one person uh he said to one person what's your middle name and the guy said daniel and um he put out all the cards on the table the inner circle table It's circular and uh picked out boom, boom, boom 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 and he spelled out the word daniel uh with those Um, letters we had put in the corner. So, I mean, it's very easy to be skeptical and assume that there are more plants in this audience than there are plants in the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. I mean, really, because (laughs) there are times you really do feel that this could not possibly be happening, uh, so happenstance. He also makes a person go out in the street and say to, he wants the person to ask somebody passing by, um, give me a number between 1 and 30, and then the person comes back and gives the note. But, you know, that's a big responsibility to go out the street and start approaching people and saying, excuse me. And you think it's going to be one of those people that say, you know, uh, can you name a state that ends with the letter K, you know, or a Jehovah's Witness or something, you know? <laughs> you know. So that's, that's really a big responsibility to send somebody out the street and approach strangers. So, um, so that's uh, a bit of a problem as well, I would think. Um, There are times when he uh, fakes out the audience. Um, He will make you think that he's made a mistake just so he he starts looking a little nervous and then immediately regains his confidence and um, comes back and shows you that he knew what he was doing all the time. So, um, um, you know, when the late great Ricky Jay used to do this type of thing, he used to have a a projection um, in the back of. A monitor in the background where you could see a close up of what he's doing. This happens intermittently here. Now, I don't know if something was wrong, but maybe it's supposed to happen at all times. But every now and then you would see projected on the table, which is not that clear, uh, what he was doing. Not all the time. I would say no more than, boy, I'm not even sure it was 10% of the time. But, um, and you know, a lot of people are leaning forward, so it's very hard to see that table. Um, it's not hard to see the table if you are chosen in advance to be at that table. And I'll tell you, that choosing in advance was very strange. Um, it was like Grand Hotel: people come, people go. I mean, uh, it, they put people down and then they take them away, and then they put more people in and take them away. The show started eighteen minutes late. I mean, we're all used to you know um, eight past, but eighteen past, you know, I don't know. So, um, so that's. Um, Something so uh, 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 certainly an entertaining evening, and um, you're certainly going to come out of there saying the thing you say at every magic show. How does he do that? But um, but uh, there are there are pluses and minuses when you go to see Aussie Wynn's Inner Circle.
1: Uh, I'm looking at his uh, his website, and it's prominently all over the place. It says David Blaine presents Aussie C Wynn's right. Inner yeah, Circle. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, David David Blaine, of course, a world-renowned illusionist. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, it it seems as though that uh, might have taken Aussie Wind under his wing here, and is trying yeah, to yeah. Uh, develop it. I, you know, it's always amazing to me. I always go in with uh, a bit of skepticism whenever I'm invited to any of these type of shows, and I always come mm-hmm. out amazed. Always come out, you know. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure.
3: Uh, yeah, you do. This
1: you is, do have to be. Uh, this show has been extended through April second. Seems to be selling very well. The tickets are not inexpensive. So, they're uh, so you not. Know it, it's it. No, it, uh, it, they're in. I'm looking in 125 to 250 dollars, something like that.
3: Wow. Well, I, I will so also say a, that a um, chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it was packed. It was packed though. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it might is have been paper. I don't selling know. Well. But it was packed. Yeah. Uh, it, no, it certainly a, attended well.
1: There's a bunch of dates that are not, not available cuz they they are sold out. So evidently uh-huh. they're not pap- they're not papering they're uh, actually selling.
3: Okay. The other yeah. thing too is uh it should be mentioned. Um I'm not even sure there are 100 seats. Uh there mm. may be but uh, there there are not to be very many more than that.
2: Yeah. Peter, you mentioned in passing up. I'm not sure I, I knew that Ricky Jay had passed. I thought he did. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not I, I, I may you. be I, wrong. I, I just <laughs>
3: no, you don't know, doubt me. I mean, I, I, that's what I recall. <laughs> okay. um, we'll have to look we'll it up. Somebody it, yeah, look, look it up.
1: up. Let, let me know. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> uh, he died a few years back, says Rob Johnson, in the chat room.
3: Okay. So, all right. Yeah, 2018. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, oh, I'm very was... sorry to hear that. Yeah. Mhm.
1: All right, so that is David. David Blaine presents Aussie Wins Inner Circle at the at the Judson Theater. It's a playing, as I mentioned, it's been extended through April second, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. So, Michael, you uh, towards the end of the run here, but you finally get over to see the piano lesson. What was your take on this play?
2: Yeah, I was really glad to get to see it because I had mentioned in the past that this was the one play of august wilson's that i i did not love when i saw the original production for whatever reason uh i enjoyed it much more this time again i don't know you know exactly what the difference was Uh, i do still think that like like most of his plays that it's overwritten to a certain extent and would have benefited from some cutting uh For example, uh, there's the central conflict in this play as to whether this piano, which is a a sort of a family heirloom with a very, very rich and complicated history, whether or not it's going to be sold. And I kind of felt like, you know, one or another variation on, on the exchange. I'm going to sell that piano. No, you're not going to sell that piano happened about 25 times during mm. the show, and I don't think that was really necessary. Also, there just um, other places where uh, I, th- I thought scenes and monologues went on too long, I-, I noted specifically this very lengthy monologue that the character of Boy Willie has towards the end of the play. I-, I really think it would have been just as effective, if not more so, if it had been about half the length. Um, so that that is something that... Um, is the case in almost all of his plays that I know except less so in the in the earlier ones like Jitney and I think that's why that's one of my very favorite of his plays because I don't think there's as much overwriting there I think he was uh sort of like O'Neill <laughs> in that mm-hmm. sense that uh, you know I mean um genius but but not uh not familiar with um the use of a blue pencil, as they say, uh, so whatever it's worth that's that's my general take on him but there but the writing, you know, uh, even though there may be too much of it, is so brilliant that it 's always a joy to see an august wilson play and, and such great opportunities for actors in this case, an incredible cast Samuel uh, l jackson, John David Washington, as willie boy um, Ray Fisher, Danielle Brooks. Journey Swan, Nadia Daniel, uh, Trey Byers. I I, I guess that's how it's pronounced, T-R-A-I Byers. Uh, I got to see his final performance. Um, He was leaving before the rest of the cast. So I was glad that I I got to see him and to see the whole original cast intact. Uh, And then Michael Potts and um, April Mathis, uh, under the really, really great direction of Latanya Richardson-Jackson. And a wonderful production as far as the set. Um, There was also a really great um, special effect towards the end that I thought was tremendously effective. I don't recall if there was a similar effect in the original production. I don't know if either of you guys uh, can enlighten me on that. But at any rate, whatever, I I was very glad to make a trip to the Ethel Barrymore Theater to see this production, and I'm I would have been very sorry if I had missed it.
1: Michael, have you um have you seen the um the movie version of this?
2: No. Oh, it's terrific. No. Yeah.
1: So that—that's oh, well, that's, exactly what I was going to ask, Peter. Uh, uh, how good was it? Because I have not seen it either, and I'm not—I sh- didn't I'm know. Not if it was so sure. Good.
2: I knew that there was one.
3: <laughs> it was a TV movie. It was a Hallmark Hall of Fame movie. In fact. Oh. oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, believe me, if you go into any Family Dollar, you'll be able to buy it for uh, two or three dollars. Um, the the uh, Hallmark Hall of Fame made a million copies of their uh, of many, not all. Uh, I wish. They had done uh the one of Shayna Madel, which I believe is called Miss Rose White, but but it seems that um they just flooded the market with uh DVDs of this. And um I guarantee you wherever you when I was in Little Rock, Arkansas, there it was. Um so um but Charles Dutton <coughs> gave one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. And um and Wood is excellent as well as uh, as his sister but um yeah do see it and it's really not hard i bet it's on youtube what isn't so um you know do check it out Um uh, because he is magnificent
2: well two things on that I, I just looked it up and also it was directed by lloyd richards who i suppose directed the original sure. stage production
3: right? sure sure
2: and yeah. do you all know this it says that they're making a movie of the current production basically that's what I was oh, yeah?
1: going to bring up, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh-huh. So uh, I really I – don't, I don't know if they're going to shoot it on stage or uh, the way it is being presented right now or if they're going to take it onto a soundstage and and create it there. Uh,
2: yeah. Yeah, we'll have to see.
1: All right. So uh, Piano Lesson was extended through uh, January 29th, so you still have uh, two weeks or so to go check that out at the Ethel Barrymore Theater, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Haven't Peter, we read
2: dead. uh Yeah. I'm sorry. We're haven't still. we read that there is a plan to make a, uh, to film all of his his plays? Yeah, yeah, August
1: yeah. Well, that so? rings yeah. a bell. Yeah. No, uh that was uh Denzel. I think it was Denzel said he was going to uh direct all of them or he was going to get them yeah. uh, produced. Uh Rob Johnson help us well, out he, here or anybody else in the chat he, room? Yeah. Uh, uh, Denzel. I think it was Denzel. Yeah, Denzel producing or
2: directing all of them. Yeah. Denzel is listed as a producer of this upcoming film, A Piano Lesson, with Todd Black, Uh and the director is listed as Barry Jenkins. That's a little unusual, but whatever. Interesting.
1: All right. Well, I mean, this was such an amazing production. I I wouldn't mind if they just shot it as is. Just such a great cast and such a great production. Uh, Sure. Okay. So, Peter, uh, you headed down to the Walnut Street Theater in Philadelphia to see Neil Simon's Last of the Red Hot Lovers. So tell us about this.
3: Yeah. um, Frankly, what had happened was that um, Linda wanted to go see the Matisse exhibit uh, at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And um, I thought, well, you know, here I am. (laughs) So so I thought I'd uh, saunter down to the uh, Walnut Street And um, they've kept it in the era that uh, it was first produced, which was, um, as it says in the playbill, um, late December 1969, August 1970, and September 1970. So Last of the Red Hot Lovers was a play that was really inspired in essence, by Terence McNally. What do I mean? Terence McNally, um, who was just starting out at that point in time, uh, hadn't had much done, some things, but not much. And um, he wrote a one-act play that was paired with a a one-act play by Elaine May. Um, And it was called Adaptation. That was her play. And his play was called Next. Next was about a guy um, who was uh, in his 40s and uh, was drafted. um, And he went down to say there's been a mistake. And um, he was so flummoxed at the idea that he may have to go into the army because of bureaucracy and what have you. So anyway, Neil Simon went down to see the play. And he was crazy about the leading man. And he said to James Coco, I am going to write a play for you. And uh, that's exactly what he did. And that really jump-started James Coco's career. I mean, he had certainly been a working actor. I remember seeing him in Fragments, uh, a Murray Shiskel play uh, at the Cherry Lane in 1967. But but uh, this was the one that really made him take off. And uh, after that, he worked as a star, even uh, <laughs> surprisingly becoming Sancho in the movie of Mano La Mancha. But anyway, um, it's about a guy who's been married for 23 years. And um, he married his high school sweetheart. And as many of us have learned, you've got to have a past you just do sexually. <laughs> I mean, if you don't, you'll be haunted for the rest of your life, uh, wondering what you've missed. Those of us who have had past we realize we haven't missed anything, but you know, you don't know that if you haven't um, uh, fooled around. So anyway, <laughs> the time has come for him to fool around, and um, he's very nervous about the whole thing. So the three acts involved the three different women that he uh, pursues, um, hoping to have one night stands, one afternoon stands, actually, we should say, because um, it, of all the romantic places he could have chosen. He chose his mother's apartment. His mother does volunteer work. And as a result, he's using her apartment. So he's very careful. He wants to make sure that everything's in its place and all that goes with that. So the first woman who shows up is Tough as Dales. And uh, she's Elaine Navazio who uh, is um, a serial adulteress, uh, has no bones about it, doesn't worry about it whatsoever. But, you know, he's a guy who, um, you know, he's inexperienced. So as a result, he wants to talk. He wants to get to know. She wants to get into that bedroom, and that's all there is to it. So um, so there's, uh, that's the conflict. And uh, we see if he's going to wind up in bed. What do you think? Of course not. Um, he also has a lot of icks because uh, the problem is that he runs a fish restaurant. That's his occupation. He owns it, and um, he's works in the kitchen, and as a result, he's very concerned about the fact that he smells of fish. <laughs> and uh, so he's always doing things to make sure that uh, his hands are clean, and yet it's impossible to make the the scent go away. All right, so playing Elaine Navasio is one of my favorite people, Grace Gongluski. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. It's a very complicated last name. It's even worse than Felicia. G-O-N-G-L-E-W-S-K-I. And uh, she's been a favorite of mine uh, since I used to see her in um, New Jersey a lot. She uh, would show up, um, I think, in uh, Pemberton, New Jersey, and certainly Cape May. And somebody must have said to her, you should really go to a big city. And rather than go to New York, she went to Philadelphia. She works there all the time, works with 1812 Productions. And um, uh, so when I opened the playbill and saw that it was she, I was so happy. Um, because uh, I've been a fan for her for about a quarter century or so. So, and she was terrific in playing this uh, icy uh, woman who um, is hot to trot. So... <clears throat> Next, Woody uh, shows up um, with uh, Bobby Michelle, who's an actress he met in the park. This is a very detailed the movie version. You actually see um, the scene where he's in the park with her, and she needs $20 um, to have an accompanist for an audition. She's an actress, and now she's coming back to pay the $20. Of course, he has um, greater uh, ambitions in mind, and we'll see if that works out. Well, no sooner does she get in there than he realizes he's made a terrible mistake because she's this... Um, very flighty, uh, airy, um, kooky, uh, to use a term from years ago, actress. And um, <laughs> she she brings marijuana with her. And of course, he's, he's uh, certainly um, unnerved by that. And um, he wishes that she'd just leave. Um, and uh, and she says things like, you know, I think somebody followed me here. Well, that's all he needs to hear, because, I mean, he's petrified of being discovered. So um, the third one is Jeanette Fisher. And, um, oh, I should say Jessica Bedford uh, does a nice job uh, playing Bobby Michelle. Justice Susan Riley Stevens does a nice job playing Jeanette. Jeanette is um, an old uh, family friend and um, he knows her husband but at this point he's so desperate that uh, he really wants to, uh, anybody will do he just needs to have that sexual experience with somebody else to see what it's like and um, <clears throat> she turns out to be much more of a debater than um, uh, uh, <laughs> let's say a concubine um, <laughs> she really does uh, want to give him um, all sorts of theoretical questions. And um, can you name one wonderful person in the world? You know, challenging questions like that, because she is so jaded. So uh, as a result, it really is uh, very difficult. I will tell you, I do believe the greatest line that Neil Simon ever wrote appears in the movie version of this play because of course um the movie can open it up and what you have in the beginning is him um alan arkin played the part driving uh to work and he starts looking on the street and he says look at all the pretty girls on the street look at them all of them when i was growing up there was one two three pretty girls now they're all pretty No, they're not all pretty. What they all are is young. And as a result, you know, they all look pretty to him because, of course, he's gotten so much older. So it's my favorite deal, Simon line. And of course, uh, there's no way to put it in the play. But uh, but it it made me fondly remember the movie, which I'll grant you, Leonard Maltin gives the rating of bomb in his um, uh, former, uh, when he used to do those uh, books, uh, detailing uh, movies and ratings from bomb to four stars but um but uh, paul apprentice is particularly good in the middle play and um so if, if you get a chance to see the movie you might uh enjoy it but if you choose to be in philadelphia at the walnut street theater you won't have a bad time <laughs>
1: all right that's the last of the letter uh, excuse me it's it's the last <laughs> of the red hot lovers I keep throwing the in front of it, but it's
3: just the fit, You know, it's just yeah, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to correct you, but I mean, it's easy to do that because that's the expression we used to. The last of the Red Hot Mamas yeah. is uh, what it comes from. So, <laughs> so sure. All
1: right. And that's uh, down at Wal- Walnut Street Theater in Philadelphia, and it's playing through February 5th. We have a link to that in the show notes as well. So uh, we thought that we would talk a little bit about uh, the spring preview of things that are coming up that uh, we thought we should, uh, you know, shine a light on and say, hey, this is coming up. Get your tickets uh, now or maybe, uh, or maybe we should keep an eye open on these things. So uh, Peter and Michael, what is coming up here this spring that you think that we should uh, uh, keep our eyes on or that you're especially excited about? Peter?
3: Michael, why don't you go first? <laughs> <laughs> we just, it, it's not that we have no Camelot, suggestion. We, just you know? <laughs> didn't know, we didn't know who was going first. Right.
2: Um, well, first of all, uh, someone just mentioned uh, on a chat board somewhere that they uh, were very intrigued about pictures from home, uh, which I guess will be the first opening of the, uh, of the spring season, uh, partly because uh, we've read so little about it um hmm. i uh, at least that person had not read much about it and neither have i uh someone then linked to an interview that danny burstein gave recently uh somewhere where i guess he talks a little bit more about the uh about the 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 play uh but certainly you know with the cast it's him and nathan lane and zoe zoe Wanamaker, is that right yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah uh uh that's got a lot of people interested and it has something to do with uh with photos and a family i guess (laughs) um (laughs) so that's uh that's a kind of a um uh, an intriguing thing that uh that we're looking forward to because we don't know anything about it uh and then there are the 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 known quantities of course the the revivals and the revisions uh that are coming up like a doll's house, although that's a new adaptation. So we'll see what that is going to bring us. Um, and then parade, uh, which we're so glad we're all so glad I think is coming to Broadway after its magnificent triumphant run, brief run at uh city center. Um, so those are, those are a few things right at the beginning, uh, right at the beginning that I'm looking forward to.
1: We, you know, the uh, parade thing was just officially announced this week. Although, you know, we've been—I think we talked about it on air. We, we, everybody in the community, pretty much assumed it was just a matter of dotting the t's and crossing the i's to uh, to get
3: that
2: crossing the (laughs) i's. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I guess
1: (laughs) crossing the plats Um, (laughs) and uh, get get that going, but. it it was sort of a big open secret, secret on broadway that it, it it was just a matter of uh, the announcement uh coming this week officially that parade is coming and it was interesting because uh the morning that parade was announced uh, uh telecharge's website went down uh, and uh folks were saying oh it's because all the all the demand for uh, uh for parade took telecharge down It actually was the announcement of Broadway Week (laughs) that Uh. uh, Broadway Week uh, had such enormous traffic on the Telecharge website because Broadway Week is now a month. Uh, And uh, (laughs) so you can (laughs) get really, really, yeah, really great deals on uh, January, February tickets, uh, some March tickets as well to uh, lots of different things. So if there are things you haven't caught up with yet and you can get to the New York City area, uh, uh, you know, during this time, Broadway week is, is really wonderful, a good chance. And we also had announcements that Here Lies, Here Lies Love is, uh, is coming in as well. Uh, so what's Peter, interesting what there th- is it's going
3: yeah. to, well, what's interesting about Here Lies Love is it's going to the Broadway theater. Mm-hmm. And, um, because it's an environmentally type, um, mm. production, yeah. um, they're tearing out all the seats and, uh, uh, so you can stand around and, and watch the show. Uh, there's a lot of standing around when you see uh, Here's Live of Love, at least at the public there was. Uh, there was a balcony where you could sit, but uh, for the most part, you were walking, you were uh, standing. And uh, it's just ironic it's the Broadway theater, because, mm-hmm. of course, that was the theater that was um, torn apart to do Dude um, <laughs> 50 years ago, uh, where they, they tore out all the seats and uh, made it environmental as well. And then they... Um, I had to put them back and then candide uh, same thing you know they um that was pretty um uh, atypical you sat in seats but armless ones i if i recall correctly but anyway um they uh they um so the broadway theater seems to be the go to place when you're going to do something wild and wacky and um so uh here lies love uh, certainly applies in terms of atypical um non proscenium staging
2: by the way so uh, Peter, somewhat re- somewhat related news um To Parade, which, of course, Parade stars Ben Platt, who also is playing Charlie Kringis in the uh, (laughs) upcoming, if that's the right word for it, uh, film of Merrily We Roll Along, which is being filmed over a 20-year period. At least that's the current plan, unless they change it. But on that note, um, and I think I had Mm, mentioned this a week or two ago, uh, but the role of franklin Shepard has been recast and now paul mescal uh will be playing frank shep frank in the movie uh rather than blake jenner who uh, was removed presumably because he had a domestic abuse charge against him
1: yeah the uh and they reshot the uh scene sure uh that had already been in the can, so it makes you wonder, you know, if they're 10 years into the project or so, how, yeah, how they would uh, handle this type of thing in the future. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's a crazy artistic undertaking and financial undertaking to plan out a 20-year shoot.
2: But uh, Has, Have either of you read if um, – it seems to me that maybe I read that they're restoring the graduation scene. Uh, oh, is that right? Know, but yeah. I, I could have dreamed it. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> uh, I mean, it would be, it, it would make sense, you know, if they're if they're going to the trouble of doing the, you know, filming over twenty years, so, so they can have the young people play the characters when they're young, and then older people when they're when they're older. Sure. Uh, it, it would sure. seem that that might prompt a, a restoration of the graduation scene as the uh, as the bookends, I guess, or or hmm. whatever. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll see i'm i'm curious about that i have to say
1: so uh peter back on here lies love uh that that production at the public was 9 years
2: ago or more
3: was it really, oh, really? Uh,
1: and and uh, uh i have to dig back into the uh, this week on broadway archives i don't know if we even reviewed it uh, but I have to go back and know what, what, if you can dig back in your memory, what was your, uh, you know, other than it being environmental and walking around a lot and not sitting, uh, what was your take
2: on it back then? Do you recall?
3: No. I <laughs> okay.
2: remember, uh, I remember that I saw it and I probably talked about it a little bit. My unique perspective was that I was sitting for that. Ah. Uh, they, they did have a very few seats on an upper level, like one row of seats. And I asked for those specifically because at the time I was having trouble with my back uh, and Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be standing and moving around for the whole show. And I loved it watching it from that perspective. Uh, Other people said, oh, it would never work if you're not moving around. And that's part of the whole experience. But I mean... I I could see the other people moving around, <laughs> but right. I w- I myself was not doing it, and I and I still really enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, it'll also be interesting to see how how completely they um, they rejigger the theater. I I mean mm-hmm. I can't yeah. imagine that they will necessarily remove all of the seats. Uh, but yeah, maybe, maybe they, they will. will. But maybe they'll mm-hmm. do something like was done. Um for natasha pierre i thought that was quite creative the way they yeah. uh you know they kept m- most of the seats but they built playing areas out into the house and right. and right. Et cetera. so i uh, maybe that maybe they'll do something like that so
1: uh we talked about camelot a little bit in the opening but uh i, I just i hadn't seen the key art for camelot until just this moment have you guys seen this key mm-hmm. art?
2: yeah yeah mm-hmm. bizarre, people don't like it people don't like bizarre it. <laughs>
1: bizarre key art wow uh like, <laughs> i you know you gotta you gotta sell tickets with that key art, and I'm not sure that does that anything there mm-hmm. but it i uh, the key art doesn't have Aaron Sorkin's name all over it, which is interesting uh mm. so uh it's got Bartlett Sher's name on it, but not Aaron Sorkin. Uh-huh. Which, is an interesting twist upon it. Um, yeah. Yeah.
2: But Bart, Bart's name has been, I think, on all of those. Uh, mm-hmm. The My Fair Lady and the – Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so – and he is – isn't he the resident director of Lincoln Center? Oh, I don't know. I believe know. he is. He may
3: yeah. very well be. I believe yeah, I so, mean, yeah.
1: yeah. If by default only. You know, <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, yeah, right? But I think it's more. Than we're lucky, before, to, have him. And we're lucky yeah.
3: to have them. They were lucky. They have them. Yeah, yeah. He's,
1: and then uh, so. we have uh, the key art for Life is uh, Life of pie. uh Makes me wonder: Will they? Which I saw in London. What? When yeah, you saw it in London, uh, no, did that you sit was in it. a rowboat?
3: <laughs> no, a uh, conventional um okay. proscenium show. Um there there was a bit of a, a jet out of the stage but nothing uh, severe. And um um it's 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 a reasonably entertaining show. I mean, you really uh, I remember coming across uh, uh coming away saying well, this actor really has to go through a lot, because um, he really is thrown about a great deal, because um, it takes place at sea, and uh, he's marooned, and, and uh, he's in trouble, and um, and there are animals around, and um, you know, things are... Uh, it's, it's not a nice situation, but I'm telling you, he's he's tossed and turned and thrown and uh, all that kind of stuff. It's a really tough thing for an actor to have to do. And that was the real power of it for me. Um, uh, the, the story, to me, um, seemed a little thin after a while. Um, once you get the immediate situation that he's marooned and there's a tiger on the boat, too, whoa. You know, I mean, yeah, that. Uh, but, um, but then um, it just... Um, it, it, it doesn't keep up the momentum, as, uh, but you know, who knows, maybe I'll feel differently this time around. I also well. saw Back to the Future in London, um, people may recall, and uh, what I'm really interested in seeing is uh, something that happened in the second act, which is, um, it seemed to me that Roger Bart was doing a phony breakup. Um, for those who don't know what I mean, it's when an actor <laughs> pretends to be laughing at what just happened that it took him by surprise. And right. um, and he's got to um, express that. Audiences love it. They really do because it really indicates we're seeing something live and uh, we caught him um, doing something that he didn't mean to do. This was the most subtle one ever. He just gave a smirk as if to say, um, uh, boy that was funny but let me rein it in because you, when you're a professional you don't laugh at something like this it, it was really subtle and uh, but I still believe it was planned and we'll see if it happens um, when uh, they get to the Winter Garden uh, this summer as for the musical um, itself yeah. as for the musical itself Again, uh, it's one of those that pokes fun at musicals in a way that I don't much like. I mean, there's his mother when she was a teenager. You, you know that of course she falls in love with her son um, because he's really uh, terrific with all this knowledge he has um, from coming from the future. And so she sings a song that uh, may be called There's Something About That Guy, but if, if not, it's, that's the theme of it. And uh, there she is in her bedroom singing, and suddenly the curtains part in her bedroom and three of her friends are singing backup doo-wop stuff uh, to her song um and the audience loves it because it indicates musicals are so stupid that's what they do in musicals <laughs> so i don't much like it um but we'll see if any of that's retained um we'll have to wait and see but it won't be long now
2: by the way i re-watched that movie recently uh in anticipation of eventually seeing the musical and um i know i'm always doing this but there's uh-huh. a there's a big plot hole in it what is it to- <laughs> um well, if, all right, so he, so this guy, Marty McFly goes back in time and, and, uh, meets his parents when they were courting and, and, and he has to get them, uh, to get together with each other. So he'll be born rather than, uh, than ha- ha- <laughs> then have, uh, have have something else happen. And also he, you know, he, um, uh, maybe improve their lives because they're, but anyway, uh, But so he he goes back and and as you said, his mother uh, falls in love with him. Uh, And so he becomes very entwined in their lives. All right. But then at the end, when we go back to the present, um, wouldn't we think that that these people would notice that their son looks exactly like this guy who came back and you know who who was this guy marty who showed up and that's a very good point i mean you know it's yeah it's not even that it's like what supposed to be like maybe 15 or 20 years difference 20 19 years difference
3: yeah i guess what they're um saying is that since that's Um, such a change from what um, it used to be that all bets are off the table about anybody uh, remembering anything because I remember when I saw the movie I I was lucky enough to see the screening and I thought what's the use though he's just going to go back and he's going to have those people who are just so incompetent and oh, it's going to be so sad to have him return. And I was thrilled when it turned out that um, he was um, in a very different family in a very different situation, and so were they. But you got a point, Michael. You got a point, um, which nobody can deny.
2: Well, I think it's just one of those paradoxes that happens whenever you do a, a, a movie or a show or whatever about time travel. Mm-hmm. Time travel because, yeah. you know, yeah. there are always going to be those paradoxes. And I guess we're just supposed to, you know, have suspension of disbelief in order for people to do shows and movies about time travel.
1: (laughs) You know, Peter, what George Santos always says is what's the use Uh, of wondering.
3: (laughs) What's the use of wondering?
1: Yeah. I I was, uh, (laughs) I was (laughs) back when he wrote Hamilton, he was, Oh my God. Yeah. 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 So uh, with, with Life of Pi, it is uh, coming from London through the American Repertory Theater, ART, in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And one of our listeners, Cheryl hodges uh, uh saw it up there and gave great reviews. I'm not sure if they're uh, – you know, A- ART is not one for just mounting something that uh, existed and sending it on its way uh, – I mean, uh, Diane Paulus and the, the crew up there at ART. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I'm, I'm yes. sure that they're working on it in some way, and Life of Pi will reach Broadway in some adjusted form from London. Maybe they're working on some of the things that you had uh, pointed out before. And uh, so far mm-hmm. as um, uh, Back to the Future goes, Michael, I mean, uh, in in uh, in theater, we we do have that willing suspension of disbelief, that doesn't always translate very well into films, so maybe they they picked up a cue from us.
2: Oh well that's a good point. Yeah. You
1: know, and and uh and Calvin, which is uh uh which is the Michael J. Fox's uh name, character name when he goes name, back, in, he t- goes back uh, yeah. in time, you know, uh, he just was existed no, that, that, for <laughs> a few days.
3: It's Peter, not quite that. Saying? No, no, it's not quite that. She assumes his name is Calvin because he's wearing jeans that say Calvin Klein. Calvin, right? Bottom. Yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rob Johnson in our uh, in our uh, chat room had pointed that out as well. It's so funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, you know you you think back thirty years ago could you remember anything about somebody you met for a few days, 30 years ago, just in passing? And oh, I don't, I don't know. Know. You know. I mean, yeah.
2: he, he's, he's, he's portrayed as such a pivotal figure in their lives. That it would have
3: been great. Really. It would have been great if one of them had said, gee, you remind me of someone. And yeah. Left it uh, maybe at something that. like that. And yeah. left <laughs> it at that, you know, because that would have yes. yeah. covered it. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely. a great idea.
1: So we have, uh, we have also, uh, A musical of New York, New York, which is sort of based on the film of New York, New York coming. Uh, So uh, with with some parts of it written by Lin-Manuel Miranda and other parts having been picked up from the film, it's going to be some sort of hodgepodge. But given the folks that are involved with it, I have to imagine that, you know, they're aware of the shortcomings of this film and they're going to make it better, right? Am I hoping too much? (laughs)
3: Oh, I hope so. I I have to say, I hate the film. Um, I've never (laughs) even seen it to its conclusion Mm. because um, De Niro is just such a manipulator. I mean, he just, everything has to be his way, and that's the only way that anybody can succeed. He has all the answers. Um, He's so full of himself, I just couldn't bear it. So I hope that element of the musical uh is of the movie is lost in the musical. I just hope, hope, hope that he's not this arrogant uh, know it all.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Um I think it is maybe something of a red flag that David Thompson, who's doing the adaptation, does not have the best track record. Um although one of his uh <laughs> was was Steel Pier, which I really Kind of loved overall even though it's uh-huh. not a hit um so uh but that's just a kind of a factual statement that he doesn't have a great track record as far as hits um steven suskin so-
3: made steven suskin made such a great observation in one of his books when he talked about the fact that um when chicago was being readied for encores uh he wasn't sure that this is exactly what happened, but essentially what happened was Fred Ebb said to David Thompson, you know, you do it, not knowing that uh, it would move to Broadway and become such a sensation. <laughs> and David Thompson got rich on that. You know, I mean, and Fred Ebb could have said, oh, I'll, do, yeah, I'll I'll cut it down. That'll be fine. You know, but uh, David Thompson was really at the right place at the right time, uh-huh. endorsed by the right person. Mm. It's a good point.
1: Uh, speaking of movie adaptations, uh, we heard uh, that Amanda Seyfried and Evan Rachel Wood are making uh, – they're workshopping a Thelma and Louise musical adaptation. Yes, uh, yes. And uh, so that's interesting that a workshop having such high uh, uh, visible, uh, real, you know, global film stars that are uh, – that are working on 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 this, so it seems as though that it's not an if it will come to Broadway, but when it will come to
2: Broadway, it's uh, and our, already much much discussion with people saying what a terrible terrible idea for a musical, and other people like me saying there there is no necessarily terrible idea for that's a musical if, if it's mm-hmm. well written.
1: Yeah, right, absolutely, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know. And get on a fast track that it's not going to languish around for, you know, 10 years. It's with these folks attached to it and working on it, uh, you know, who will be right. the Brad the Brad Pitt role, you know, <laughs> you have, uh, <laughs> yeah. in Thelma and Louise. Uh, have you guys seen the movie
2: Thelma and Louise? Oh, yeah. I love that when it came out. I used to have a I, – I may have told this story before. Somewhere I found a T-shirt that said Thelma and Louise for president. Yeah. And I wore it to um, <laughs> the march on uh, the the gay march on Washington, that really big one back in the day. I don't remember what year it was in the nineties. Um, and somebody offered me like a hundred dollars. Ah, wow! <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: so um... and then what happened? did you take the money no i
3: didn't no i, I didn't. he just um, wanted to see you with your shirt off that's all it was
2: no it was a woman oh it was a woman who offered me i mean she, she just won- wants to see you with your shirt
3: <laughs> off that's all it was
1: yeah all right so uh we have lots to look forward to this uh spring uh broadway and off broadway we didn't really talk about off broadway stuff uh Except for in relation to the off Broadway stuff that is coming to Broadway. But uh, certainly, as the season progresses, we will talk more about these things. Uh, I guess we should wrap it up for today, unless you guys have anything else that you want to talk about in the spring preview, or uh, should we wrap?
2: Are we good? (laughs) I'm okay. Always leave them wanting more.
1: (laughs) Always leave them wanting more. Okay, so before we get on to trivia and our musical moment, I want to remind everybody that you can subscribe to these broadcasts by going to the front page of BroadwayRadio.com. There's a subscribe link. That way, each and every time we have a new episode of This Week on Broadway, it'll be automatically downloaded to Apple Podcasts for you. Of course, you don't have to listen to us on Apple Podcasts. There's many ways to get us. Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play, anywhere that you can listen to your finer podcasts, you're going to find Broadway Radio's offerings. Contact information for Peter, for Michael, and for me can be found in the show notes at broadwayradio.com as well as links to some of the things we've talked about today. So, Peter, do you have an answer to last week's trivia?
3: It, not he or she, but it, it is something that appears in the first scene of the musical and is never seen again. And yet, it's the title of the musical. What's the item for which the show is named? Carousel. This came up because Richard Maltby, uh, I had dinner with him um uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh because he wrote the foreword to my next book, and I wanted to take him out and uh thank him and he told me that when he was a little boy, uh he was taken to carousel, and uh he was so thrilled to see the carousel at the beginning, and he just couldn't wait to see it again <laughs> and during the rest of the show, and it didn't show up, you know, and so it's, it's a good point, you know it's very funny that that show should be called that, given that um you only see it in the first scene. Steve Bell was the first to get it, followed by Paul Witte, Tony Janicki, still stuck and mired in third place, Sean Logan, Isaac Blevins, Brigadude, Jeff Langa, Jack Leshner, Josh Israel, Greg Christensen, and Alex Lauer. Okay, this week's question. A musical has six characters who are very atypically named. In the order that each was listed in a song, they were named for a shaving cream, a soft drink, an item made of paper that's used for beverage consumption, a gasoline company, and a chewing gum. Who are they? And in what musical do they appear?
1: All right. Uh, if you have an answer for that, email us at trivia at com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. And and Peter, I uh, you know, at the top of the show, when we were chatting uh, through the introductions, I forgot to mention that you have something coming up on February 19th and 26th at Theatre 555. Tell us about that.
3: Oh, yeah. Um, I, back in the 80s, um, I saw in the Village Voice that Spalding Gray was doing something called a personal history of the American theatre. And what he would do was simply sit at a table with a uh, batch of big... Index cards. On each index card was the name of a play that he had seen, that he had been in, that he had directed, uh, that he had written, whatever. And he would just tell a story attached to each of these um, cards. And it was great fun. And when I got to know him, I said, yeah, I love that show. I wish you'd do it again. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Then, of course, he died. And I thought this is just too good an idea not to uh, keep going. So I've assembled a whole bunch of index cards and uh, I've I've done it a lot in New Jersey and in New York and Massachusetts, um, even uh, in Aspen and St. Louis. Um, So uh, in Rhode Island, too, for that matter. And um, uh, I think it's great fun. you, you hear all sorts of stories uh, from all the millions of years that I've been going to the theater, shows that I've seen, uh, been in, um, what have you. But uh, you never know what card is going to be pulled. Uh, but um, I, I do have a lot of stories from the 12,500 shows that I've seen over the years. And um, and so that's what I'll do. So it'll be about 90 minutes. Afterwards, we'll take questions and answers, and then we'll all go home. But um, I, I, I have to say a lot of people have a good time at it and um, I'm very grateful for um, some people who have uh, come back to see it uh, more than once uh, because they feel uh, maybe I'll pull some cards that they... Uh didn't um encounter the last time so uh, we shall see yes february 19th and 26th at four o'clock at theater 555 which is an easy address to remember because it's at 555 42nd street west 42nd street i should say rather than I send you uh, <laughs> to the other side of the town um mm. so uh yeah it's free it's not gonna cost you a dime so uh, maybe it'll be a case of you get what you pay for. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we will be doing it there, and um, uh, uh, a splendid time is hoped for all. So if you
1: want to get a reservation, email box office at theater555.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes as well so that
3: – The uh, theater uh, it, is spelled E-R as opposed to R-E, so uh, the American spelling of theater uh, as opposed okay. to the British one, so E-R.
1: All right. Uh, So, Michael, what do we have in this week's Musical Moment?
2: Well, last night I got over to 54 Below to see the first in a new series of shows uh, that Scott Siegel is producing and hosting there. And this new series is called Love Song Saturday Night. Uh, And I guess it's title self-explanatory um it was a great cast uh, in alphabetical order the drinkwater brothers john easterlin cooper groden ryan knowles jenny lee stern and michael winter winter i'm sorry i always do that winter W-I-N-W-I-N-T-H-E-R. Mm-hmm. Uh, And, uh, yeah, uh, it just – the way things panned out, actually, there were some cast changes at the last moment. And Jenny Lee Stern was the only woman in this one. Uh, But she certainly held her own, and more than that, uh, with really terrific renditions of As Long As He Needs Me uh, from Oliver and also Maybe This Time, which, as – I guess many of our listeners know, was originally written by Candor and Ebb for Liza Minnelli as a standalone song and indeed mm-hmm. was featured on her first album. Mm-hmm. And then when it came time, uh, as Scott Siegel retold this story last night, uh, it came time to make the movie of Cabaret. And supposedly <laughs> the story goes that uh, Bob Fosse went to Candor and Ebb and said, you know, I'd really like to have Sally to have a song here in which she kind of expresses the feeling that maybe this time things will be different for her. <sighs> and and supposedly they said, well, it just so happens that yeah. we already have a song. Um, so I, I don't know. I have my doubts about that story, but that is what the legend is. And regardless, I, I do think the song works really well in the film of Cabaret and now has been incorporated into the uh, stage show as well. So um, uh, So our opener... Uh, for today, for today's podcast is the Georgia Brown recording of as long as he needs me from the original Broadway cast album, uh, not the London cast, but the Broadway, uh, which I believe was actually recorded pre-Broadway in Los Angeles.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think San Francisco, but somewhere in California, but yes.
2: Oh, okay. All right, Yeah. Um, uh, so that was a, that was an unusual situation there. Uh, and in fact, uh, by the time it got to Broadway, Some of the cast had changed, um, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, including the Artful Dodger. And I think, I'm not sure of Oliver also. But Georgia Brown uh, was was with it in London and on the West Coast and on Broadway. And she was a really great artist. So uh, uh, here's to Georgia Brown. And our closer is another um, uh, show tune that was featured in Scott Siegel's show uh, last night. They were not all musical theater songs by any means, but several were. And uh, The Closer is a song which has become so popular uh, outside of the show, which was a flop, that many people don't even know it was from a Broadway show. And that is Come Rain or Come Shine uh, from St. Louis Woman. And uh, the, the version I chose was Judy Garland's amazing performance from the phenomenal world-famous uh, recording of her uh, Carnegie Hall concert in 1961.
1: All right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radios This Week on Broadway. It was
0: Bye-bye. Bye. One of those things You let me in. you're gonna love me like nobody's love me come rain or come shine happy together, unhappy together, won't it be fine? River, Come rain or come shine I'm gonna love you I'm gonna love you I'm gonna love you I guess when you met me It was just one of those things But don't ever bet me Cause I'm gonna be true Gonna be true If you let me Let me, let me I love you Come rain Or come shine